Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Thank you, brother. Wow, you can take your seats. Well, good morning, family. Wow, we've had such a wonderful time this weekend. It's been so much fun. Um, I do not plan on speaking with you very long this morning. Pastor Willie told me he's cooking lunch for me, so I want to make sure. (laughs) So all you men, you don't have to look at your watch every two, three minutes. Amen. (laughs) Anybody ever had Pastor Willie's food or cooking? It's amazing, right? Man, I told him, I said, listen, I don't diet when I go to Wilmington. (laughs) I feast. Amen. Amen. And so I, I really feel like the Lord is, is releasing a rich deposit into this region. And I just feel like this weekend, even though this is the last day that my wife and I are here, but it doesn't mean it's the last day that the Lord is doing something specific with you. You know, everywhere that I go, I, I really have this belief system that it's not just impacting the church or the local church there that I'm visiting, but it's actually releasing a deposit into the region. Amen. You know, I was actually recently in a church uh, or ministering in, a, in Nevada, uh, in Nevada actually, and they brought me in, and one of the churches that were in the, in the area did not believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They were a sensationist. And they told their people not to come to the conference, you know. But you know how people are when you tell them not to do something. You know how rebellious you can be. And so this pastor tells his congregation, you make sure you don't go to this conference to listen to this this bald guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And so as soon as he told his people not to attend the conference, guess what his people did? And so one of the nights at the conference, I'm ministering, and I see the back door open. It was right after worship, and and it was kind of the last moment to come in. And so this door opens, and I see a group of about 10 people. They come in, and they sit on the back row of the the church, you know, because God can't get you in the back row. And, And so they're sitting there, and they have their hands crossed, and you can tell they're just there to spectate and see what's going on. And within 10 minutes, the entire row falls out under the power of the Spirit. Amen. Well, the only issue is they don't believe in it. And every single one of them falls out under the power of the Spirit, and every single one of them begins to speak with other languages, other tongues. Well, the next morning was a Sunday morning, and guess what church they were attending? They were attending their sensationist church. And so the church service starts, and all of a sudden, one of the ladies that got filled with the Spirit the night before, she stands up in front of the whole congregation, begins to pray out loud in tongues in a sensationist church. And all of a sudden, like, it was like you, you can hear a pin drop in this room. You know, This is what I was told from the pastors. And when this lady got up and began to do that, all of a sudden, when this, just a few seconds, person after person begins to be filled with the Spirit in the congregation. And within five minutes, almost the entire church is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? <laughs> and the most beautiful thing about that is that, that that pastor can't blame me for it because I didn't go to his church. 
The pastor was sitting there on the front row, and he was thinking, well, how in the world am I going to take back control of my church? And so he sends one of his deacons up onto the platform to, to, to kind of bring order to the service, you know, because it's all out of order at this point in his perspective. And so as soon as the deacon grabs the microphone to go to rebuke the people, he begins to speak in tongues. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that good? Amen. And so their whole theology changed in one service. The reason I say that is that you don't realize what may be released into this region this weekend. That could be some sensationist churches. <laughs> you know what I found out later about this pastor, this pastor was in a dilemma, and he had to make some decisions of what he was going to do in reference to his doctrine. And thankfully, he embraced it. And you know what he started teaching on the weekend after? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Isn't that good? Isn't it good that God moves in spite of us sometimes? In spite of our belief systems, in spite of our theology, in spite of our unbelief. He loves you so much, he'll move in spite of you. That's a good God right there. Well, this weekend, I've been really addressing what God does, and I've also been addressing our role and responsibility in reference to what God does. And one of the things that he has given unto us as a responsibility is for us to take control of what we think. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 23, and we're going to look at verse 7. And I have done four services in reference to this one verse right here. And I haven't even spoke the whole verse. We've only been looking at a statement within the verse. And some of you may be thinking, well, William, isn't that taking it kind of out of context? Well, the reason I am willing to use this one statement within the verse is because it is consistent with the whole of Scripture in reference to the battlefield of the mind. And how many of us know the major battlefield in our life is really between our ears? It is in the mind. It takes place within the soul. And so if you have your Bibles, let's look at this text, this first statement here. And I'm reading from the NASB version right here, the New American Standard Version. If you have the NIV, it's going to read just a little bit different. So I'm going to ask that you just kind of read with me in this text. And it says this, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. As he thinks within himself, so he is. This is speaking of a person, and this is speaking of the way that they think within their self. And then the Bible describes that person that they become like what they think. In other words, your state of being is dependent upon the meditation of your mind. Well, this entire weekend, we've been looking at this word think, and this word think has two predominant definitions. The first definition is that it means to meditate, to reason out, to calculate. As a matter of fact, you could say it this way. Your state of being is dependent upon what you think, what you meditate on. The definition I want to focus on this morning is the definition that we generally do not relate to the renewing of the mind, and that is your thoughts are to function as a gatekeeper. I want you to follow with me. Your thoughts are to function as a gatekeeper. So the definition of this word think is gatekeeper. What does that reveal about your mind? It reveals about your mind that it is a gateway or an access point that the demonic realm looks to gain influence into your life. And so if your mind is a gateway 
and your thoughts are to function as a gatekeeper, that means God has designed your being and your thoughts to function as a protector of your being. You see, science even backs up what I am saying because science has proven that your body, your being, actually responds to what you think. Even your emotions comes out of what you meditate on, what you think. In other words, your emotions go in the direction of your predominant thoughts. If you're full of fear, if you're full of anxiety, if you're full of depression, if you're full of anxiousness, it is because you're thinking in a way that's not protecting your soul. I'm just letting you think about what I'm saying. You see, your thoughts are to function as a protector, not a culprit. But for most of us, our thinking doesn't protect our being. It actually traumatizes our being. It actually causes our being to, be, to become sick on the inside. That's why 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Be in good health and prosper even as your soul prospers. And so your physical health is even divinely connected to your emotional health. And there's people in this room that are, you're actually physically sick because you think sick, because you're emotionally sick. And because you're emotionally sick, your thoughts are not functioning as a gatekeeper. They're just functioning as a door greeter. In other words, they're saying to whatever spirit or whatever thought or whatever concept or whatever worldview or whatever theology or whatever statement that is made, we're just saying, hey, come on into my life and work your work. In other words, do what you desire within me. That's how most people function. Don't get mad at me. Take it up with Jesus. See how that works out for you. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. What you think is way more important than what you realize. What you're thinking is either protecting your being or exposing your being to the world. Your mind is a gateway, and Satan is seeking to gain access into that, to, into that avenue, into that gateway of your life. That's why in John chapter 8, verse 32, it says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall. So by that context, the truth you don't know is what's keeping you bound. You see, when it comes in reference to Satan's kingdom, are you guys okay? And when it comes in reference to Satan's kingdom, you have to understand how his kingdom functions. It actually functions in two different categories that I like to describe as categories because within these two categories, he wreaks havoc in our life. The first category is deception. How many of us know the power of deception is the ignorance of truth? The very definition of someone that is deceived is the fact they don't know it. And so you have to have knowledge of truth to protect you from deception, to protect you from lies. You see, the renewing of the mind is not, is not positive thinking versus negative thinking. It's actually truth versus lies. And God's word is the only authoritative truth that we need to have as the protector of our mind. 
I cannot tell you how many Christians I know that have no knowledge or understanding of God's Word, and they wonder why they're so jacked up. Am I being too blunt? I know this is Sunday morning. I need to be nicer on Sunday morning. I'm more of a Friday night preacher. I get all the alcoholics and drunks, you know, anyway. I'm, I'm more of a roughneck. <laughs> but I'm just going to tell you the truth. Satan's kingdom finds its power on your ignorance. That's why Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, it says, do not give, do not give a place to the devil. In other words, he doesn't have a place unless you give him one. I do not, I do not give the devil a place at my house. That's why he don't live there. He don't have a place in my presence because, because I do not give him access into my heart. You know, Satan is only interested in people he can influence. And if he cannot influence you, the Bible says he will flee from you. But most Christians, the devil's running to them instead of from them. Man, when I walk in the back door, I mean, when I walk into the front door, the devil runs out the back door because he sees me and he gets freaked out. He says, oh, no, William came in, I got to go. You see, Satan's kingdom functions on deception, and the power of deception is our ignorance of truth. And so if you don't have the word of God as the doorkeeper of your mind, what happens is now you don't, your thoughts don't function as a doorkeeper. They function as a door greeter, and now it opens your being up to the world to determine who you become on the inside. You see, the reason I have truth as the doorkeeper of my mind, that means I can go inside any environment and not be influenced by that environment. I can go inside any neighborhood and not be tempted whatsoever by the sin that's in that neighborhood. Why? Because my being is protected by what I think. It doesn't expose me. It doesn't open me up for that sin to come in which is the second category of Satan's kingdom, and it functions on temptation. Yes. You see, when you don't have truth as the doorkeeper of your life, you become body dominant and not spirit dominant. Yeah. You see, and how Satan tempts you is that he appeals to the flesh to, to get access to the soul. He appeals to the flesh to gain access to the soul. Well, we already understand by the word of God that the only part of your being that is, that is a new creation is your spirit. Your body is still waiting for its day of redemption, which means your body has, is corrupted by sin and it's still susceptible to sin. And so when your body dominant, you're sin-oriented. Are you guys okay? You can, you can blink. Some of you haven't blinked in 10 minutes. Now, I know I talk really fast for a country boy, but you can listen quicker. Amen. You see, when you're, when you're body dominant, that, that means you open yourself up to the world for the enemy to now appeal to your flesh to gain access to the soul. And so his kingdom functions this way, temptation. 
But how does the enemy tempt you? Well, I just said the first way is that he appeals to the flesh. The second way that he gains access to the soul is that he projects his own being upon you. That's how he attacks. In other words, when a spirit of lust comes against you, the reason you are experiencing lustful thoughts is because that spirit is actually lustful. In other words, it is a perversion, perversion of that spirit. Or another example is this. When a spirit of fear comes against you, the reason you experience thoughts of fear or an emotion of fear is because the spirit itself is afraid. It's actually not your thoughts. It's actually not your emotional experience. It's actually that of the spirit that's projecting upon you. You see, when most people don't know, they don't realize this. And so when, when, the, when the enemy projects certain things upon them, and all of a sudden they sense those things, they, th- they take ownership of it and say, well, this just must be how I am. You see, and the enemy only finds power in your life for your human agreement. Are you guys okay? (laughs) I'm trying to make some of those demons that's been tormenting you uncomfortable this morning. And I'm trying to tell you, you don't have to tolerate what you've been tolerating up to this point. You don't have to put up with defeat. You don't have to put up with sin. You don't have to put up with nonsense. You are a victor in Christ. But I'm here to tell you, if you're going to exercise that victory, you're going to have to take control of what you think. You're going to have to let truth become the doorkeeper of your life to protect your being so that when the enemy comes, he cannot appeal to your flesh because it's submitted to the spirit. He cannot gain access to your mind because truth says, nope, you're a lie, and I'm not granting you access into my heart. That's right. You see, truth, truth silences the voice of the liar. That's why the devil don't even talk to me no more. Every time he talks to me, he just gets shut down because the truth that is in me silences his voice to me. Therefore, I don't even hear him. When the devil starts talking, all I hear is blah, blah, blah. I can't even comprehend that nonsense. I don't even comprehend lies. Amen. Well, William, you can't live this way. Well, don't wake me up. I've been living this way for 17 years. Amen. And so do, do, do you see what I'm talking about here? Your thoughts are to function as a protector. So my question to you is, what are you thinking? Are your thoughts protecting you or are they exposing you? Are your thoughts bringing healing to your being or sickness and trauma to your being? Because what you think determines your state of being, determines the person that you become. It's divinely connected to your thoughts. And to illustrate this point right here, I want to use a person in Scripture that we generally do not talk about, and his name is Judas. How many of us know Judas is the one that portrayed Jesus? And I want to show you how the enemy actually got Judas to portray Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, let's look over to John chapter 
13, we're going to look at the first two verses here, and I'm going to show you how Satan comes against us. Verses 1 and 2 from the NASB version, it says this, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During the supper, this is referencing the Last Supper, Listen to this statement. The devil having already put into the heart of Judas. How many of us know this, at this supper is the, is the point in time in which Judas was fully filled with the spirit of Satan to betray Jesus. But this statement right here reveals how Satan was able to fill Judas with his spirit. And it says, and Satan had already put into the heart. Well, the word heart right here is a reference to your emotions. It's a reference to your mind. And it says, and Satan had already put into the heart of Judas to portray Jesus, which means this right here. Satan does not come to fully access you by his spirit to begin with. What he does is he comes with a lie. And that lie comes in for the purpose of creating a stronghold in the soul. In other words, Satan will lie to you in a way that makes you, makes you feel like you're in control until he's in control. I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to someone that was, that was struggling with, with alcohol or struggling with drugs or, or tobacco or cigarettes, whatever the case is, and they will always say this to me, oh, I can stop anytime I want. I said, okay, well, stop then. After, after about 24 hours, they called me, like, man, I can't make it. I said, because you believe these lies, and these lies have made you feel like you are still in control, not realizing that those lies had actually gained access and authority over your heart and your mind, and a spirit has now occupied that place, and now that spirit is actually controlling your thinking. So this is how the enemy works. He doesn't try to overpower you all at once. He comes with these subtle lies, concepts, worldviews, agendas, philosophy. And so he comes with this lie, and if that lie gains access into your heart, access into your soul, now that lie begins to work within you. Now that lie begins to form something on the inside of you, and what, that's, what that lie is forming is a home for another spirit. Now, you may be saying, well, William, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a born-again Christian. I can't be demonized. Well, the only part of you that's become a new creation is your spirit. Your spirit has been joined with God's spirit, and your spirit cannot be penetrated by a demon spirit. But guess what can be? Your soul, your emotions, your mind, your will. All those can be hijacked. That's why 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Those that have been born of God, God keeps them, and the evil one cannot touch them. Well, the only part of you that's been born again is your spirit. And so that is the only part that that verse is even referencing is your born-again new creation aspect of who you are, not your soul. I'm preaching better than you're listening. Amen. <laughs> For you that don't know me, I have a very sarcastic sense of humor. So if you don't know what to do, just laugh. 
It'll make us both feel a whole lot better. And so this is why the Bible actually puts the transformation of your life on one thing, the renewal of your mind. And so now, because of the point that I'm making here, this is how the enemy functions. He comes with a thought. That thought comes to, 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 to work something in the soul, to transform the soul into a habitation for his spirit to occupy. And so in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, now we're going to look at a very famous text here. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, do not be conformed to this world. That word conform means to be made in the same pattern as. And so what a lie is doing is conforming you to the pattern of the world in which, in which Satan is the ruler of. And so in essence, to be conformed to the world is allowing a lie to create within the soul the world that only Satan can rule. I can feel the anointing on this. All the hair on my head standing up right now. Amen. And so this is what the Bible is telling you. This is why I'm saying, listen, don't be conformed to this world because when you conform to the patterns of this world, you're only allowing one ruler to dominate you. I mean, this is why, man, I can, I, listen, I know people all the time, they have encounters with God, they can come to a church service like this, they get laid hands on, and all of a sudden they experience freedom in the moment, they leave right out of this building and don't change the way they think, and within two weeks, two months, one year, two years, they're right back in the same nonsense that they came out of. Why? Because they didn't allow the encounter to transform what they thought. And because they didn't allow the encounter to move them into thinking different, their mindset took them back into what the encounter took them out of, and their mindset created within the soul a habitation that only Satan can occupy. <laughs> I'm teaching something here. So that word conform just simply means that, to be made in the same pattern as the world in which Satan is the one that rules it. So don't think in a way that only gives access or a place to the devil to rule you. Amen. Then it goes on to say this. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word renew is communicating this. It's the word renovate. It says to renovate your mind. In other words, renovate your soul. What are you renovating it to? You're renovating a home, a home on the inside of you. It's like this. Before you were born again, the Bible, you had a sin nature, and you were controlled and governed by a demonic. Okay, let me just, let me just say it this way. I don't want you to think I'm prophesying to you. Go to Ephesians 2. I'm going to show you with something. I don't want you to think I'm making this stuff up. Before you were born again, there was another spirit that was occupying you. And so when you became born again, it was a deliverance as much as it was a rebirth. And it says this right here in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And he made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you were once in which you once walked according to the course of this world, the pattern of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Listen to this. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Where did the spirit work? 
and the sons of disobedience. This is why you have to be born again to receive a new spirit. But even though you become born again and receive a new spirit, what that old spirit left behind was a, was a damaged soul that now needs to be renovated. It, it left behind a home on the inside of you, a structure on the inside of you that now you need to take old pictures down and put new pictures up. You need to, put, you need to repaint the wall to a different color. Now, this word sons of, sons of disobedience is a term describing unbelievers. That's right. That's right. Well, you may be saying, well, I, I'm not saved. Are you saying I'm demonized? Well, no, the Bible is. The Bible is saying there's a spirit in operation in you, and that spirit is controlling you. That spirit is governing you. That spirit is corrupting you. That spirit is the one that's, that's doing damage to who you are, to your very being. Because a demonic spirit isn't seeking to free you. It's seeking to control you. A demonic spirit hates you. And it is trying to corrupt every aspect of your being. Is this helping, Tom? Dr. Tom. Amen. And so when it says to renew your mind, it is literally talking about renovating your home. Why? Because that, even though you have a new nature because you have a new spirit, and even though you have God living inside of you now, what that old spirit left behind is it left behind habits, it left behind beliefs, it left behind patterns, it left behind these things that were corrupted that now you have got to renovate that home, that structure, that place that another spirit used to occupy so that now the soul comes into agreement with the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and now they become joined. You want to know why? Listen, I came out of alcohol. I came out of drugs. I came out of atheism. I was homeless for a period of time. I came out of crack houses. Do you want to know why you cannot even picture me doing drugs? Because I don't see me doing drugs. Because I've, reno- I've renovated my soul to the point I'm not just a cleaned up version of who I used to be. Some of you are just a cleaned up version of who you used to be. You just changed addictions. You may not be addicted to alcohol, but you're definitely addicted to coffee. Well, William, you, you done stopped preaching and started meddling now. <laughs> now what I'm saying is that, is that is that you still see yourself as an addict. You just you just went from something that was highly destructive to something that was less destructive. You see, I do not view myself through the lens of my history. I view myself through the lens of my destiny. You see, I am not just a deliverance from my past. I am a redemption to my future. And most people, even though you're saved and even though you've received a new spirit and even though, you, and even though you're in church, you still view yourself through, through the lens of who you used to be. Not realizing that that thinking is not transforming or renovating your soul. That thinking is just simply just trying to maintain 
God didn't die to give you the victory to simply make it to the sweet by and by where you can barely limp into heaven. He didn't die for some poor, defeated, beat-up person to leave you that way. <laughs> Anyhow, I'll leave that alone. But then it goes on to say this, Ephesians 2, verse 2. It says, according to the prince of the power of the air, to the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. So this right here goes to show you the lust of the flesh. Why, why does the enemy want you to become body, soul dominant? Because he wants to appeal to the, to the lust of the flesh. He wants to appeal to that to gain access or to gain, regain that place of influence in the soul. You cannot, be, you cannot afford to be body, soul dominant. You have to be spirit, soul dominant. If that terminology, if you, if you don't know what I mean with this, go to Friday night service, and, I, and I, did, I dealt with that terminology a great deal and explained it a little more. I don't have time to explain it again. So if you're interested in that, go to Friday night service, and it'll make more sense to you. Among whom you also walked, once walked and conducted your lives according to the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the wrath, and were by nature children of wrath. You see, all this is describing who you were before Christ. But now that you have been born again, you have a new nature. But what that old nature left behind once again is it left behind these beliefs and these habits that you have to now change. I'm constantly, I'm constantly renew, re renovating my soul. I'm constantly renovating my mind. I'm constantly creating a home that only invites the Spirit of God to abide. I'm constantly developing within my soul a place in which only God's Holy Spirit can habitate there. I'm not going to allow my soul to be made or conformed to the pattern of this world in which Satan is the ruler of. I'm not going to do it. I refuse to do it. I value my life too much to give the devil place in my heart. Amen. You need to get to that place. So now, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 should make a lot more sense to you. It says, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind so that you may be, be able to prove the will of God, that which is good, that which, the, which is acceptable, and that which is perfect. Wow. Now with this context in mind, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 should make a lot more sense to you. Let's read that. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. That word fortress is talking about a structure. It's talking about a place. It's talking about a home. Where are these structures formed? In the soul. And he says this, we are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised up against the knowledge of God. What is it raised up against? Truth. Was it raised up against the knowledge of God? So if you don't have the knowledge of God, these fortresses are formed in you. And he goes on to say this, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Why do you take every thought captive? 
to the obedience of Christ is because the access point the devil looks to is your mind, is thoughts. Strongholds are formed in your life through patterns of thinking that's inconsistent with the knowledge of God. Strongholds are formed in your soul through patterns of thinking that's inconsistent with truth. Man, this man. When I learned this one principle, I, I, I started walking in so much freedom. Demons would show up in my house, and I would whoop their butt. <laughs> I went from a fearful person to a confident person. And some some people would misunderstand my confidence in Christ, and they think it's arrogance. And like I said last night, confidence looks like arrogance to somebody that doesn't have any. Man, I'm not boasting in me. I'm boasting in Jesus. I'm boasting in what he has done for me. But I also understand the part that he plays and the part that I play. And the only thing I need to do is change the way I think. Man, you're already thinking anyways. You might as well think like Jesus. So again, it's not a negative, positive thinking versus negative thinking. It is truth versus lies. That's the battle. Man, look at where this country is right now. Man, look at the lies the church is believing. I can't tell you how many Christians I talk to that think they can choose their own sexual identity. That's a bunch of nonsense. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but my God, the time of subtlety is over. I'm not trying to sneak up on you and tell you the truth. I'm just going to tell you. Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs> so now this context in mind should make a lot more sense to you. So now let's get back to John chapter 13 in the story. And you see right here, Satan put into the heart of Judas, that means there was a period of time before it led up to him in the supper moment, you know. And so there was weeks that went by, there was months that went by, there was a long period of time. And so that's how Satan's kingdom functions, is that he puts these lies inside of you and then he waits. He doesn't even have to bother you. The lie is doing all the work for him. He doesn't even have to do anything else for you. He just lets you come into agreement with a lie and let you defeat yourself. And then when you are fully defeated in yourself, then he occupies. In John chapter 13 and verse 26 right here, one of the disciples, this is after Jesus acknowledged that someone there is going to betray him, and one of the disciples leans onto Jesus and asks him, well, who is it going to be? Nosy Christian. Anyway, and so Jesus leans over and begins to tell him who it is. And he says this, Jesus says this, Jesus then answered, that man is the one whom I shall dip the piece of bread and give it to him. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he took it and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon. Listen to this. After this, Satan then entered him. Well, hold on, William. I thought he had already was in, 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 in Judas. No, his lies were. His voice was. But his power, his presence wasn't. It was at this point that Satan entered the structure that, that the lie had formed. And now when Satan's spirit had reoccupied this place in Judas, now, now Judas's way of thinking becomes demonically empowered. And now in order for him to think different, he has to first be delivered. Amen. 
If you are bound in the prison of your thoughts, it's because now your thinking has become demonically empowered and there is a stronghold, there's a spirit there not allowing you to think different. And now you need to see Tom over here to get free of that sucker. Pastor, you may have a lot of people coming up to you. <laughs> I'm going to send you to him because I'm going over past Pastor Willie's house and I'm going to eat some fried chicken. <laughs> Amen. Because <laughs> that's what's really important. I'm kidding. But is this making sense? This right here sets set you free. This is why what you think is that important. This is why you need to leave them here today. You say, you know what? I ain't going to think like I've been thinking. Because you'll notice when you think in certain ways long enough, man, all the emotion, everything, you you, you feel weighed down. Why? There's a spirit there. It's weighing you down. That's why you need coffee to be like a Christian in the morning. Now, I'm not, listen, I drink coffee, too. I'm just messing with it. But you get my point, right? If I need to add something to my life just to feel good, I got some of you so self-conscious, I'm, I'm going to go throw out my folders in my cup when I get home. <laughs> Dang demon. <laughs> I bet some of you so self-conscious, you don't even want to talk to me at the end of the service. You're like, I just know I'm going to say something to him. He's going to tell me it's de- a demon. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just trying to make a point. Like, man, if you're being weighed down and you need people to constantly have to encourage you and massage you for you to feel okay with life, man, there's something there occupying your mind, occupying your soul, occupying you that you need to deal with. And you need to get that sucker gone. I don't get depressed. You can't make me get depressed. I don't believe in getting depressed. Come on. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so when once this happens, now you become a prisoner to your own thinking. Now you cannot even escape those memories. You cannot escape those lies. Those lies are forever dominating your thinking. And the reason he does this now is because he wants your soul beat down. He wants your emotions beat down. He doesn't want you to have the physical, emotional capacity to fight anymore. And that's where a lot of people are. But the good news is we're a family. And we're not in this battle alone. And it's no shame to come to one of our family members and say, hey, man, I have been struggling. 
I need somebody to slap a demon off of me or something. I need someone to shake me, rattle me, throw me down, whatever you got to do. Look, I, listen, I've had moments in my life I just had to tell my pastor, I said, whatever you got to do, brother, just go ahead and do it. There's no shame in that. There's no perfect person in this room. This is, oh, this is how I want to conclude the service. It's 12 o'clock, and oh, w- Willie hasn't left yet. But I think I've given you enough to think about probably for the rest of your life. And this is what I want to do. I want, I want to do a prophetic act. And this prophetic act is we're, we're going to, with both of our hands, we're going to grab our, our mind. And I want you to clench your fist like you're grabbing something. And what you're grabbing right now, I just want you to picture, I want you to picture all of these memories, all of these strongholds, all, all of these structures in your heart, in your mind right now that are associated with lies. When you pull, I want you to see them being broken and removed from your thinking. So on the count of three, let's just pull it off. One, two, three. Just pull it off. Oh. Oh. Matter of fact, I just, I just felt something right here on the back of my head. It, it left as soon as I did that. Did anybody else sense that or feel that? It was just something right here. Just, it left right over here. Yep. There was some kind of attachment there. It was, it's gone. And here's how the kingdom functions. Once something is gone, you settle it in your heart that it is dealt with. Man, sometimes, man, people, they go to session after session after session and deal with the same dang thing 50 times because they don't believe it's dealt with. Listen, you need to settle this in your heart. It's dealt with. Well, William, I thought I had to go and dip in the water 20 times. (laughs) No, the kingdom functions on faith. If you have faith that it is dealt with, it is dealt with. Now, now I'm going to add something to this. I'm going to pray for your mind. So I want you to put your hands back over your mind again. Lord Jesus, I ask that your blood will cleanse and sanctify. Matter of fact, let's all say this together. Lord Jesus, I ask that your blood will cleanse and sanctify my mind, my memories, my emotions, according to your truth. God, I call upon your grace to live according to your truth. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Family, I've enjoyed being here with you. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Let's give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Oh. 
Listen, family. These things are dealt with in the spirit realm. They're dealt with in your heart. They're dealt with in your mind. Now, assimilate the truths. Assimilate the truths in your thinking to walk out this freedom. Amen.